Welcome back, everybody. It's the Crowd Noise Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. Thursday, October 25th, 2018. We got a great weekend coming up. Lots of great games. The World Series has started. It's gone off to a uh, very boring start. I think the first two games have been pretty boring, in my opinion. Uh, Boston leads that two to nothing. Uh, there's a spit gate in the NBA. Uh, college football playoff rankings come. The first playoff rankings for this year uh, come out on Tuesday. Uh, in two weeks, college basketball gets started. So next week we should have uh, college basketball preview. I'm absolutely not doing a, a national champion pick uh, preseason like I did for football. It's just it, that's impossible. Trying to pick a trying to pick a Final Four during March when everyone fills out their brackets. That's hard enough. And then trying to do it preseason, it's it's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. But I will be doing uh, maybe conference champions. And then I probably will force myself into picking a national champion just to um, discredit the show uh, even further. But we actually do have some picks. We kept the receipts. Uh, we got some picks uh, earlier in the year that actually turned out to be uh, more than good. They turned out to be brilliant. We're going to talk about those soon. But first we have, or not soon, actually right now, uh, college uh, college football this week got three games as always NFL three games uh, Thursday night game tonight uh, and then the games on Sunday World Series continues tomorrow and throughout the weekend even though I don't think it'll make it that far and uh, the NBA yeah so we got a great show today let's get right into it college football first game here uh, best game of the weekend actually uh, number nine Florida they're listed as a road team but it's a neutral site uh, against Georgia number seven in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party that's actually the name uh, of the rivalry game uh, between Florida and Georgia it's going to be the most competitive game this weekend uh, lots of playoff hopes on the line that's what really this the college section this week's going to be focused on more so uh, not so much on the games but on the, what they mean as far as the landscape for the playoff, because the first playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, uh, yeah, this upcoming Tuesday. So obviously we'll be uh, too early, because being today, and then we'll be too late uh, next Thursday. So I figure, why not? We just why don't we just get ahead of things here? Uh, most of the games I'm going to be breaking it down uh, how they will affect uh, the college football playoff landscape. So. Yeah, both of these teams obviously are still in the playoff hunt, number nine and number seven, uh, two top ten teams. Um, I think Georgia has definitely more of a chance to make it to the playoff than Florida. I think they're just a better team. And, uh, you know, playing in the national title last year, you obviously have hopes of at least getting back into the playoff, let alone uh, getting back to the title. Uh, I'm going to take Georgia in this one, and here's why. Uh, They need it more than Florida because eventually they're going to have to play Alabama, and they're not going to win that one. So they have to have this win now because they're not going to win against Alabama. I think for Georgia to get back into the playoff, they need to get uh, first into the top four. And then by the time they lose to Alabama, they need to be comfortable enough to afford a loss at the end of the season because no one is touching Alabama this year. I promise you that. We're still going to be talking about college football all season long, but nobody's coming close to Alabama. Nobody. They're going to win the title. They're probably going to run the table, go undefeated wire to wire. No one's beating them. So uh, if you're Georgia, you got to have this one right now. Uh, and especially, in my opinion, the top four teams right now uh, listed as Alabama at one, Clemson, uh, Notre Dame, and LSU is actually uh, number four right now in the country. But in my opinion, the first three spots are those three teams. I think they're pretty much locked up. Even with another loss this season, I think that they've already punched their ticket, that being Alabama, uh, Clemson, and Notre Dame. Me, personally, if I were making my own uh, playoff bracket, if I had the power to uh, assign playoff seeds, which uh, if I did, we we would live in a much happier world. I can guarantee you that. Be lost less chaos. I'm, I'm definitely uh, smarter than the playoff committee, so I think we should definitely look into that, but I'm not, so uh, all I have is this dumb podcast. So if it were up to me, I'd have Notre Dame number two. As I said earlier uh, in previous episodes, I think they're the second best team in the country. Uh, and again, Alabama's just head and shoulders, knees and toes. They're ahead of everyone. So no one's touching them, but I would go uh, Alabama, uh, Notre Dame, and Clemson in the first three in that order. In my opinion, I think even with losses down the road, uh, they should still get in. And I think they will get in, even if they were to lose. And Notre Dame has uh, no more opponents uh, that are ranked in the top 25 for the rest of the year. Uh, Clemson has a pretty easy schedule, even though they'd have to play... um, uh, most likely Miami in the ACC uh, championship game, but Miami I don't even think is ranked anymore, so that 
Uh, shouldn't be too hard for them. Uh, so those, and then now, like I said, Alabama, no one's touching them. So they should run the table from here on out. So that leaves uh, teams on the outside looking in, in my opinion. Of course, I mean, like I said, I don't run the committee. So this is just my opinion. I might be dead wrong on these. We don't know what the committee's thinking. Uh, we'll get to, we'll get a better idea of what they're thinking again come Tuesday. But that leaves out uh, four or five teams looking in for that fourth spot in the playoff. That would be Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, and Texas, all competing for that last spot uh, or that fourth spot in the college football playoff. And amongst those teams, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, and Texas, that's five teams fighting for one spot, in my opinion. Georgia is the only one without a signature win thus far. Uh, excuse me, Ohio State's beaten uh, Penn State. LSU's beaten Auburn. Michigan will have beaten Ohio State. And then that's an even better case for Ohio State. You'd get to beat uh, Penn State and Michigan and then likely Wisconsin in the Big Ten title. So that's uh, the Big Ten champion's going to have a lot to say about that fourth spot. And Texas, because they would have beaten Oklahoma, if they were to run the table, they would have beaten West Virginia and then Oklahoma or West Virginia twice, which uh, they're actually our next game. So we'll get into Texas right now. But Georgia needs this game right now because they're not going to beat Alabama. And so far on their schedule, they don't have another signature win. So they need this game right now because uh, that's it. That's going to be it for them. And it's going to be really tough for Georgia to get back into the uh, playoff in my book, especially because there's so many teams fighting for that last spot. And there's only one spot open. I think the first three teams are pretty much set in stone. Uh, you're you're going to see Alabama, Clemson, in Notre Dame in uh, whatever order it may be. But you're going to see those three teams in the playoff. Unless Notre Dame, okay, conversely, unless Notre Dame or Clemson loses to one of those cupcake teams, then there would be some chaos. Uh, oh, you see Ohio State went from number two to number 11 after getting smacked by Purdue. So if something like that were to happen, then okay, maybe you could open the door for a Georgia uh, or LSU. Uh, LSU is going to be tough because they also play Alabama uh, later on in the season. So they're going to have likely two losses. Uh, Michigan already has one loss. Texas has one loss. So there's a lot of pressure on these teams to run the table because there's never been, uh, in its short history, there's never been a two-loss team to make it into the playoff. Um, I don't think that will happen this year. Uh, because it's so competitive, it's going to be really hard to justify a two-loss team getting in over a one-loss team. Uh, so I think uh, if you're Georgia, you definitely have to run the table to have any chance because you're going to ha- definitely have two losses. LSU will probably have two losses. Ohio State could have two losses. Uh, Michigan could have two losses. Tech- all those teams could finish with two losses. So, um, you know, it's college football. Anything can happen all kinds of madness left and right. So maybe all of those teams have finished with two losses and then you're forced to put in a two-loss team because there, there aren't any more one-loss teams. I don't know. So much could happen. I mean, I, finished, I went on a really long rant there that I finished it with, I don't know. That's college football for you. Anything, literally anything can happen. So at this point in time right now, uh, I would say Georgia's really on the outside looking in. Uh, with a chance with a chance to get into the playoff, but that's that's of right now, this very second uh anything can happen in college football. So, I mean, UCF could get in for all we know. I mean, they're number 10 and they're undefeated and they run the table and keep dominating. And like I said, the other two teams or the other, excuse me, uh, those other five or six teams all finished with two losses. How do you justify keeping UCF out? They'd have the longest winning streak uh, in the country. That's a team I said wouldn't even finish in the top 25 and they're undefeated. They have the longest winning streak in the country. Uh, Went undefeated last year. They're undefeated this year. Uh, do you give them a chance? I mean, obviously, it would be tough to justify that decision because you'd be putting them in at number four. It's hard for me to see UCF jumping in. It's hard for me to see them getting into the playoff, let alone getting a three or a two. So you'd be putting up, putting them up against Alabama. I mean, that's just not fair. I mean, come give them a chance at least. If you're going to give them uh, an opportunity to get in the playoff, give them a chance. But uh, we'll see. I doubt that would even happen. But they're a wild card. I mean, it could happen. Like I said, anything Nothing is impossible. Really, nothing is impossible in college football. If you're if you're a two-loss team right now, you still have a chance. I mean, I haven't listed uh, my preseason pick, uh, Stanford. They have two losses. Uh, they're not getting in. I'm just trying to make that one sound better. But uh, with all that, that's our first pick. That took 10 minutes for our first pick. Second game, uh, let me see here. Second game, number 18, Iowa at number 17, Penn State. Now, they're another two-loss team, as I said uh, just moments ago. If you're a two-loss team, it's not entirely over. Uh, you still have a pretty fair shot um, of getting into that number four seed. Uh, and that's what makes things even more exciting. That's why I like currently the, the current uh, playoff format. 
uh, the four seeded teams because there's so much madness. That's what adds to it is that, yes, someone's going to get left out every single year. There's going to be a five or a six that that should absolutely be in there. And you're wondering how the fourth seed got in there and why they're not better than a three seed. Like there's so much going on. And that's why I think it's it's great at the four, because if you move it to an eight, yeah, then everyone gets in. You're not really going to be arguing for a, for a 12 seed getting left out or a 10, a number 10 getting left out because, I mean, really at that point, who cares? I love the debate. I love the chaos every single year. Um, could the six get into a four? Could seven get left out? You know, there's also there's so much uh, madness with the four-team playoff. I really like it the way it is. Um, I wouldn't say to go to a six because then you're um, – if you add six teams in the playoffs, then the one and the two get a bye week, so to speak, and that kind of defeats the purpose of the playoff. The whole idea of the playoff is that anyone can beat anyone. Uh, so I think giving a team a week off kind of defeats the purpose of that. You'd have If you increase it, I think you would have to go from four to eight, but uh, I, I like it at four right now. So with that being said, uh, this is why I love college football. I can talk for 15 minutes about about imaginary scenarios and they all sound really cool and i mean they probably won't even happen uh second game like i said ohio iowa and penn state let's get to the game steven so penn state's running out of time to uh catch up with the big dogs in the big 10 that being wisconsin that being ohio state and michigan uh they have two losses against ohio state and michigan state uh but what penn state does have they have a lot of resume games coming up they have Three of their last five games are against ranked opponents, that being this week against Iowa, next week against Michigan, and in two weeks uh, against Wisconsin. So if they if they were able to run the table and, and they would need uh, they would need a lot to happen. They would need uh, Michigan to beat Ohio State. Um, they would need probably uh, Notre Dame to lose. They'd need Georgia. They need some help. But it's not over for Penn State. They can start this week with a, a top twenty five ranked Iowa. Iowa's a pretty good team. They're they're a I was going to say small market, but they're not a professional team. They're a smaller school, um, but they're pretty tough at home. But they're on the road this week. They're in Happy Valley. So I'm going to go with Penn State. I'm kind of hoping that, you know, these two lost teams start winning because, like I said, I really just love the madness. I want to see all these different playoff scenarios. So I think Penn State will win this week. Um, if they were to win next week, that would cause a lot of chaos because, like I said, Michigan is one, are one of those teams uh, on the outside looking in. I think they're currently number six or number seven. Um, and they have one loss, so that would push them to two losses. And at that point, who do you favor, Michigan over Penn State? But they both have two losses. And what if Michigan beats Ohio State? Then Ohio State would have two losses. And who do you edge? Who do you give the advantage over those over those three teams? Are rock paper scissors? They've all beaten each other. Ohio State would have beaten Penn State. Penn State would have beaten Michigan, and Michigan would have beaten Ohio State. And it's just it's just craziness at that point. So that's why I hope Penn State wins this week, and I hope they win next week. Just for, just for, um, well, I can't say that. Just for the chaos of it, uh, to see what would happen in the playoff rankings. And my final pick, this is my favorite pick. This is kind of a heartwarming pick for me. Uh, number, excuse me, number six, Texas at Oklahoma State. That one's going to be in Stillwater. Um, there aren't too many ranked versus ranked games this week. Well, there are, but they're not really that interesting. I like this game because obviously Texas, uh, number six, they're right. They're knocking on the door to get into the playoff. And there was one person on this entire planet, on this little blue sphere that we all live on, live on. It's not flat. This entire blue planet, there's one guy. There's one guy who picked Texas to get into the playoff during the preseason. Not even two weeks ago, not three. Preseason before the games even started, there's one guy who picked Texas to get in. And you're listening to him right now. That my dumbest college, my dumbest pick maybe on this show's history. It was a dumb pick. I mean, it was stupid. I don't know what I was possibly thinking three weeks ago. I was saying, man, I've, this show is not going anywhere because I picked Texas to get into the playoff. But usually it's the dumbest picks that go the farthest. It was a bold decision on my part. And I couldn't be any more proud of myself because they're right there. They're number six. They're one loss and they're knocking on the door to get into the playoff. Um, right now, they're favored amongst the one loss teams. If you had to pick, uh, okay, going back to that list, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, and Texas. If you had to pick one team that was going to run the table from here on out, and like the team you thought had the best chance of finishing with one loss, it would be Texas because they have a really easy schedule uh, finishing the season. They have one pretty tough hurdle against West Virginia, uh, Mountain Mama, but they're not Michigan. They don't have to play Penn State, Ohio State, and then Wisconsin in the championship game. LSU has to play Auburn, Alabama, and then probably Georgia in the title game, or Alabama twice. 
Um, and then Georgia, same, same scenario. They're going to have to play um, Florida this week and then Alabama in a title game. Like Texas isn't going to have those, that many hurdles. Um, and they have a conference championship now. The Big 12 added that. I think it was last year or two years ago they added a conference championship. So that's a plus for Texas. So if they were to run the table on their resume, they would have one loss, which is, I mean, that's pretty much the formula. They'd have a conference champion. So you'd be a one-loss conference champion. That's always the debate. Do you pick a one-loss conference champion or a one-loss non-champion? Um, it, look, it always looks better if you have a championship under your belt. And Texas would have beaten Oklahoma and West Virginia, one of those teams, twice because uh, the Big 12 doesn't have any divisions. It's just the first-seeded team and the second-seeded team in the conference championship. Uh, last year it was Oklahoma and TCU. They played twice in one season. So right now it's Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma. Um, it would be Texas and either West Virginia or Oklahoma, one of those teams. So they'd play either of those teams, and if, like in this scenario, running the table, they'd beat one of them twice. So they would definitely have a great chance of getting into the playoff. Um, if they were to lose one of those uh, games, which I think they will, this is, just, again, all these imaginary scenarios. What I think will happen, they'll win this week. Uh, let me get my pick in there. They'll win this week. Uh, they should run the table for the rest of the regular season. I think they'll get their second loss in that conference championship because it's, it'll be the second time they've played a team in the same season. Um, and that will knock them out because not only is it hard getting into the playoff with two losses, it's impossible getting into the playoff when your second loss comes the last game of the year. So I think that would definitely knock Texas out of the equation. Uh, it's not impossible for them to get into the playoff, um, Run, or excuse me, running the table and then eventually getting in the playoff. But I don't see it happening. It's hard to do because their first loss came the first week of the year. So they'd be on a, uh, I don't know, a 10, 12, 13 game winning streak. They'd be on a huge winning streak and it's hard to keep those things alive. Um, but I will take Texas this week. And I remember after Texas lost, everyone's all, you're dumb. How, why would you pick Texas? Then why would you even say Texas? And now they're number six in the country. I'm the only one who had faith in them. I'm the only person in the state of Texas who actually picked Texas to get into the playoff. And now I'm reaping the spoils. I also picked Stanford. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, that's all of our college this week. Man, we got to hurry. That took a long time. Uh, NFL this week. Uh, I, I love college football. This is what makes college football so exciting. Um, we're going back to college real quick. What Alabama is so great, and I'm not a dynasty hater. I love the dynasties. I love great teams. I love winners. Why? I don't. I'm not a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, I'm not a UTEP Miners fan. I don't enjoy losers. I like teams that win. So I enjoy Alabama, but I would be lying if I didn't say they they ruined this college football season because no one's beaten them. They're going to win the title. Um, but now, so that's why the up until this point. College football has been kind of boring. There have been some upsets last week, Purdue, Ohio State, but it wasn't really a big deal because in the grand scheme of things, Alabama's going to win the whole thing. But this is what makes college football great. It's almost the, the pre-playoff um, discussions and debates, who's getting in, is almost better than the actual games. I mean, sometimes the debates on who should get in, who should not get in, those, are, those debates to me, I think are more fun than the actual games themselves. So for the next coming weeks, it's really going to start heating up, especially with those first uh, playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely let you know how those uh, rankings look uh, on the next Thursday when we do our next show. So moving to the NFL now. We've got to move now. It took a long time. Uh, tonight's Thursday night game. Texans or Dolphins at Texans that game will be in Houston obviously uh, I know I was complaining about last week's Thursday night game it was a pretty boring one on paper and I, I didn't watch it I think it was a boring game uh, not on paper it was just it was just a boring game uh, this week I think has potential to be pretty good and I'll tell you why right now the Texans um, I, I just realized I went all Texas with my uh, postseason picks this year I picked the Texans to get to the Super Bowl um, and to start the season, that looked like another one of my dumb picks. And but the the flowers are starting to bloom. Every the fruits are starting to uh, how I finished this uh, phrase for me. I'm starting to reap the benefits of uh, my dumb picks because the Texans, since going 0-3, have won four straight. They're now first place in their awful division. Um, and I think that's a big reason why they still have a chance. Maybe I'm not gonna. They're not Super Bowl contenders in the AFC right now. It's the Chiefs. Uh, and the Patriots, but they definitely are still alive to get into the playoffs because their division's horrible. The Titans are are a mess. The Colts are improved, and they're still like a top ten uh, draft pick, and they're better this year. So the Texans are definitely still alive. Um, the Dolphins are the biggest question mark uh, 
They're the most confusing team in the NFL other than the Bengals. Um, they're a game back of the Patriots, uh, first place in the AFC East. Um, but I def I do think uh, they're they're about to flame out right now, and they're about to go back to where they belong. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a full go this week. Uh, for some of you who may not know, he was dealing with some foot issues throughout the week, um, or leading up to tonight. That's why I don't like Thursday night games because you give players less time to you know, heal from any. Every player is pretty much injured after Sunday games. Some are more injured than others. That's why they miss games. But everyone is hurting after Sunday games. Uh, that's why I don't. You don't give them enough time to to rest up and get a hundred percent ready to go for the next game when you put a game on Thursday night. Um, but nonetheless, I'm not in charge. Just like the playoff committee, uh, I'm not in charge like uh, Roger Goodell is. But DeAndre Hopkins is a full goat for tonight. He will not miss any time. Uh, the Dolphins, like I said, they, they're game back of the Patriots. They've been the biggest surprise to me uh, in the NFL. They torched the Bears. Uh, I think it was two weeks ago. They torched Khalil Mack. I mean, they put up 40-plus points, and they won in overtime. Um, but I think I feel like Brocktober's coming to an end sooner than later. I think this is the night where they, uh, they lose tonight. I'll take the Texans 28-17. Uh, to 17. And I think the Dolphins will really flame out and just crash and burn, and they'll finish in number twelve in the draft at the end of the year. I think this is, I think this is the end of that for the Dolphins, as I do expect for the Bengals, also who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, I think the Bengals are going to crash and burn pretty soon. They're they're not going to win the North. I picked the Ravens to win the North. Uh, they the Bengals have stolen some games uh, here and there. Uh, I think that'll come to an end. Uh, maybe not this week for the Bengals, but next week. And then they'll lose uh, four or five straight. They do this all the time. They do it all the time. They start off five and one, or six and zero, oh or four and two, and then they finish like they finish um, four and twelve. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really surprised by the Bengals. I am surprised by the Dolphins because they they're just usually terrible wire to wire. Um, but I don't think it'll go any further for them. Uh, second game, uh, I got to do a better job writing these games down. Saints at Vikings. I have I have the games listed at the top of my notes, and then I write down the notes for the games underneath that. So it's a little. I have to kind of go back and forth. That's my fault. Um, Saints at Vikings. This is a potential potential NFC Championship preview, except it won't be because uh, none of these teams are beating the Rams who are my other Super Bowl pick, and so far that looks pretty darn good, uh, if I do say so myself. Uh, the Saints are the quietest Super Bowl contender uh, in the NFL. They're a game and a half back of the Rams uh, because they already had a bye week. They're a game and a half back of the best record in the NFL. The Saints are for real. I mean, they're really, really good. Uh, they're a half game back of the Chiefs um, for whatever that whatever's that worth. That's worth. They're playing the AFC, the Chiefs do, so... Um, yeah, there's that, but we pay so much. The point is um, that we pay so much attention to the chiefs and we should, they're, I mean, man, they're a fantastic team. Patrick Mahomes is my favorite player now. Um, and the Rams, they're the best team in the NFL and no one's talking about the saints. We still talk about the Eagles. They're terrible. They might not even win their division. Um, we still talk about, uh, the Vikings. Well, they're pretty good. Um, we talk, the point is we give other teams that aren't as good as the saints. We give them all kinds of credit. I think what happened is it magic. Once we saw them lose, 50, I forgot what the score was, it was 58 to 52 um, week one when they lost to the Bucks. I think a lot of people kind of wrote them off, left a bad taste uh, in their mouths. And they've won every game since. They haven't lost since they've run into Fitz Magic. Um, Saints being 5-1, and one, they're really good. Um, and this is going to be a huge letdown. I think I, I picked the Vikings to win this week. I think they'll cool off. Now, they won't have a meltdown like the Bengals or the Dolphins, like I said before. Um, but they, I think I anticipate them cooling off over the next three weeks. I don't know why. Just get a weird sense. Uh, they'll go one and two over these next three weeks, which still isn't even bad. Uh, they're in a tough division with the Falcons and the Panthers, but they've built up enough space to where they can afford a loss or two. Um, actually, they're only a game up on the Panthers, but I really, I'm not a big fan of the Panthers. I don't see them... Uh, hounding down the Saints really over these next three weeks. I'll take the Vikings tonight at home. That's a big that's a big deal too. Uh, they're going to be in uh, Minnesota. I know it's a dome and it's they're not going to have to deal with the weather or anything. But um, anytime you play at home, I mean you have to have an advantage. Especially Minnesota, they have a great uh, fan base there. Skull. Uh, I'll take the Vikings thirty-one to twenty-five. Uh, less than a touchdown favorite, the Vikings are. In my opinion, not as far as betting. I don't know what the spread is. Um, I don't know why I said that. Yeah, I just have them. 
winning by less than a touchdown, six points, 31-25 Vikings. And my third and final NFL game uh, this week is the Packers at the LA Rams. Uh, these past few weeks, my picks have really been struggling. I hope I hope you haven't really been paying attention uh, up until this point because my picks haven't been really doing good, uh, college or NFL for that matter. I picked NC State to beat Clemson uh, last week. How'd that work out? Uh, I mean, yeah, my picks have really been struggling. So I needed a lock. I needed an ace in the hole this week, but I couldn't just mail it in. I respect my listeners more than... Um, than to just pick like the Cleveland Browns against the Patriots or something like that. Like I, I respect you enough to pick a decent game uh, for you to listen to, but I needed a lock. I needed a game where I was guaranteed to win, um, but I needed an interesting game. This is the perfect scenario for me to turn this show around as far as my picks. I mean, I have really good lengthy picks like the Texas uh, playoff thing. That Seemed dumb at the moment, but over time that looked really good. Uh, the Houston Texans that would looked really dumb at the time, but over, uh, but over a few weeks it's starting to look really good. Uh, but my week to week picks have really been struggling, so I needed something to bounce back this week. That's why I picked the Rams and the Packers. I'm not. There's not a game I'm more sure of than this one. The Rams are going to beat the Packers. Yeah, I almost said that wrong. The Rams are going to beat the Packers this week, but the Packers are interesting. They have Aaron Rodgers and they're playing against. The most interesting team in the NFL, that's the Rams top to bottom. There's no one more exciting uh, than the Rams. Well, actually, that's a lie. The Chiefs are more exciting, but the Rams are the best team. That's The Rams are the best team in the NFL, and the Packers are the best worst team in the NFL. So there's, there's a contrast there. It's interesting. Uh, the Packers have been riding on Aaron Rodgers' back all season long to even get to this point uh, at the season. Their record's not that great, but they're still alive in the NFC North, I guess. Um, They've been winning. They've been stealing some games over the past few weeks because of Aaron Rodgers. He's so great. But they play a team this week that can score just as many points as Aaron Rodgers can. I mean, the Rams are fantastic, and they have the best defense in the NFL this year. Um, this is a pretty easy game for me to pick. The Packers are not good. They're just not a good team. They have Aaron Rodgers, and he's so spectacular that they're respectable. They're not the Browns or anything, but they're not a Super Bowl contender. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I will definitely take the Rams this week, 33-22. Those are my picks. Those are my NFL picks for this week and college. Uh, lots of playoff stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I need a sore throat, man. I need a glass of water. Uh, so that's that's all the football we have this week. Moving on to baseball, and uh, this hurts my heart. I really don't want to do baseball this week, but we got to do it because I'm completely unbiased. I don't care what anyone says. I'm not biased towards any team. Um, and here at Crowd Noise, we like to focus on Big J journalism. We have no emotions. We have no horses in any races. So with that being said, the Boston Red Sox, up to nothing in the World Series are two games away from their next World Series title. Um, the first since, I believe, 2014, 2013. Um, it's 2-0, which doesn't sound too bad. But let me tell you right now, the series is over. It's done. The series is finished. It's over. The Dodgers are done. The Red Sox, you can crown them right now. There's, it's all over but the shouting. Uh, I originally picked the Sox to win um, in six games, and I would be shocked if it, went, if it went that far. I would be shocked if it even went back to Fenway Park. Uh, I expect them to shut it down in L.A., um, win, next, um, win two out of the next three in L.A., and the series will be over. Um uh, yeah, so I, the Dodgers, uh, excuse me. So the Dodgers are down 2-0. They have the next three games. That's game three, four, five. Yes, three, four, five at uh, uh, Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers aren't going to beat the Red Sox three straight times. It's not happening. There's no way they're going to beat the Red, so- the Red Sox in three straight games. So that means if you're a Dodgers uh, supporter, I don't know, maybe you are or maybe you aren't. I personally don't know any Dodgers supporters. Um, but if you are a Dodgers supporter, the best case scenario for you is you go back to Boston down 3-2. Down 3-2, not up 3-2. Because like I said, it's not going to happen. They're not going to beat the Red Sox in three games three games in a row. It's, it's not going to happen. Uh, so your best hope is to go back to Boston down 3-2, needing the next two straight games, and you're not going to beat Boston twice in a row uh, in Fenway. So it's, it's over. It's over. The Red Sox are going to win um, either uh, in four or five games. I don't see them going back to Boston at all. I don't think it's even going to get that far. So 
commenting on this Boston Red Sox team. This may be the best Boston Red Sox team of all time. I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think I'm a prisoner of the moment to say that. They're fantastic. They do it all. They can do anything. They can play with anyone. They run. They pitch. They hit. They defend. They do everything. They do it all, and it's been all on display um, for this World Series. And what the scary part is they haven't even played their own game. They've been playing the Dodgers game, which is low-scoring, pitching, defense, mixing and matching, bullpenning, and they've beaten the Dodgers twice now at Fenway Park. They've, they've play, they haven't even played their own game. The Red Sox would like to put 15 runs up in four innings if they, if they could, but they're so good that they can beat you at their own game, and that's what they've been doing uh, to the Dodgers through these first two games. Um, they've been mixing and matching, pitch-hitting, uh, what blew game one wide open was a pinch hit. It was a pinch hit, three-run home run by Eduardo Nunez off of Alex Wood. Uh, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, don't go too far away. Believe me, we're going to talk about that. But it was a pinch hit. It was a mixing and matching uh, by Alex Cora, not Dave Roberts, that won the game. And that, that blew that game wide open. And then game two, was a, it was a defensive bullpenning game. Four to two. The Red Sox can score way more runs than four, than four runs. Um, I don't attribute that to Dodger pitching. I attribute that to uh, the Red Sox saying, okay, we're going to play your game. We're going to play your methodical, low-scoring, defensive game. And they have. They've beaten the Dodgers um, in, in every aspect so far. But getting to those Dodgers. Uh, yeah, we're done with the Red Sox. Getting to the Dodgers, it's it's over. Like I said, it's it's over. There's no way they win this World Series. There's no way they even send it back to Boston. It's They're done. And the Dodgers, as we know them, are done. Clayton Kershaw can test the free agency markets. He'd be a fool not to test the free agency market. Two straight blown World Series. They should. I'm not going to say the Dodgers should be up 2-0, but I definitely think they could. The series could be tied 1-1, and we're going to talk about that real quick. But they're done. Like I said, they're, they should be tied 1-1. They're down 2-0. They're not going to win the series. They lost last year. I think Clayton Kershaw has to test the markets. He has to, and there's going to be someone out there. You're going to tell me there aren't, there's not going to be one team. Offering Clayton Kershaw a contract. Uh, Manny Machado says, thanks for the opportunity, guys. I'll see you when I see you. And he's going to go cash out his $300 million uh, paycheck. He's probably going to go to the Cubs, actually, because Addison Russell has a monster suspension uh, waiting for him at the beginning of next season. So the Cubs need a shortstop, and they're always willing to spend money. Uh, the Phillies are obviously willing to spend all kinds of money. Uh, they're going to go after Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. So those two guys will probably be gone by next season. Your two best players were, are going to be gone by next year. And Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts should also be gone. He should be banned from Dodger Stadium for the rest of his life for what he's done to the Dodgers over these past two seasons. He's cost them not just one. He's cost them one World Series. We, that is for sure. He's cost them a World Series, guaranteed one. And this year, <clears throat> excuse me, he's cost them any chance at a second World Series, that being game one. First, we're going to talk about last year. Dave Roberts does not deserve to be re-signed or brought back into the Dodgers as the manager, number one. He's not a manager. He refuses to manage the game. He, he crunches numbers and does not manage the game. You could get some guy off of a computer. You can get me. I'm on a computer right now to search up the numbers and the analytics because that's what Dave Roberts does. He's not managing the game. He's looking at, looking at the fax machine, looking at the printer. Okay, what do the numbers say? So he's not even making those decisions. So you can't justify that he's making good uh, choices. It's, it's Carl in the analytics department on his computer that's making the, making the decisions for the Dodgers. So Dave Roberts, that's number one. Number two, let's look at, okay, concrete evidence. Last year, Game 2 World Series at Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers are getting ready to go up 2-0 on the Astros. And he pulls out Rich Hill. He got into a, a rough stretch. I think there was two on and the bases were loaded. Uh, my memory's not that good. But he pulls out uh, Rich Hill. They get out of the inning. But later on, I think it was the very next inning, actually, he brings in Josh Fields and he coughs up the lead. He gives up two home runs, uh, another double. And then they pull him out, and they score the runner on second. Astros take the lead. The Dodgers tie it. Uh, they bring Kenley Jansen in, and he couldn't stop the avalanche at that point. The Strohs bros had gotten started, and we know the rest. So there was that. He pulled Rich Hill because of analytics last year. Uh, cost them the game. Game five of the World Series in Houston, one of the greatest baseball games of all time. Um, he leaves Clayton Kershaw in. 
uh, was I think it was a fourth inning. He was struggling. It was one of uh, Clayton Kershaw's worst uh, postseason starts. It was it was bad. I can't I can't make any kind of defense for him there. But it was bad, and he overcompensated because he left he uh, pulled Rich Hill too early, so he left Clayton Kershaw in there. It didn't work out. They had to pull Clayton Kershaw anyway. Kent Maeda gives up a three-run home run, ties the game, uh, and they end up losing that game in a 13-inning marathon in Game 5 in Houston, and the Dodgers lost that series in seven. That's example number one. How about this year? What have you done for me lately? About the same, Dave Roberts. Uh, game one, they were going toe-to-toe with Boston. They were going back and forth with the big dogs. Uh, it was a one-run game. Uh, and this part, I can defend Clayton Kershaw. Uh, David Freeze drops a foul ball. I mean, drops a pop-out in foul territory. Uh, the next pitch, Mookie Betts gets on base. Uh, next pitch, he's still second. Uh, they drive him in. Yasiel Puig throws it to home, allowing Andrew Benintendi to move up to second. Um, they drove him home, and it was 2 nothing at the end of the first inning. So if you catch that foul ball, you you save two runs with that with that one out. It's unbelievable. That's how good the Red Sox are. They make you pay for your mistakes um, because Mookie Betts doesn't get on. Obviously, he doesn't steal. Uh, even if Andrew Benintendi gets on like he would, like he did, um, he wouldn't have made it to second because Puig wasn't going to throw home and he wouldn't have advanced. So you save two runs with one foul ball. You save two runs. So that is not on Dave Roberts. I would give him that much. Uh, I'm fair. I, I'm, I'm not going to tear the guy down. Uh, he's, I don't like him, but I'm not going to spread lies about him. He's not that bad. Uh, I can't play defense for him. But actually I can because David Freeze, uh, he's not a first baseman, and Dave Roberts had him lined up at first base. So I guess you can blame that on Dave Roberts. Never mind. Uh, Dave Roberts, you're terrible. So, uh, But that's not even what the point I'm trying to. That's another completely different example. Uh, in the fifth inning, yeah, the fifth inning, uh, Clayton Kershaw couldn't make it through the fifth. Uh, neither did Chris Sale, but uh, Chris Sale wasn't terrible. He had a lot of strikeouts. His pitch count was real high. That's why they pulled him. But uh, Clayton Kershaw didn't make it through the fifth inning. Uh, they brought in uh, Ryan Madsen. It's another two, uh, two or three runs uh, that Ryan Madsen gave up. It wasn't. They were charged to Kershaw, but Ryan Madsen gave him up by walking two uh, and then giving up another hit. So that was uh, Dave Roberts again going to the bullpen instead of Leighton. Uh, last year, he, he let Clayton Kershaw go too long. This year, he didn't let him go long enough. He's just not pressing the right buttons. Uh, later in the game, this is the big one. This is the huge one for me. Uh, he brings in Pedro Baez. Uh, he strikes out the first two batters. Or he strikes out one. He intentionally walks another. Then he strikes out another guy. He has two outs, uh, two on at that point. But he had just struck out, I mean, nasty strikeouts. He got ready to get out of the inning. He brings in Alex Wood to get a lefty-lefty matchup. Then Alex Cora, um, he outduels uh, Dave Roberts. He brings in a right-hander, Eduardo Nunez, and that blew the game wide open. That was it. It was over after. It was a one-run game. Uh, it was 5-4. to four. That home run just blew it wide open, and it was, it was over. They had all the momentum in the world, turned into an 8-4 game, uh, and that was it. So the Dodgers had a chance to at least split the series. I thought last night the Red Sox won. Uh, even though the Dodgers had a lead, I thought... Yeah, I thought the Red Sox pretty much uh, won that game. It wasn't anything the Dodgers did. Uh, they didn't really capitalize too. They didn't have any uh, opportunities. So I thought uh, they lost last night. But game one, they're not saying they were still down. I mean, they were still losing that game. But it was a one-run game. And the Dodgers were putting up runs. And they were actually scoring them. Uh, the Dodgers have had all kinds of problems driving in runners on base all year long. And they were actually capitalizing game one. Um, but I think once they gave up that three-run home run, they were down four. It, it was over. It took just all the wind out of their sails. So there's another example of Dave Roberts and the analytics and the right-handed, left-handed matchup and then pinch-hitting guys and taking Dave. David Freeze has been their best hitter all postseason, and he has almost as many at-bats as he does starts. He only gets about one at-bat a night, and he's been the best uh, He's been the best bat for the Dodgers all postseason, and he's not giving them any kind of chance uh, to make a difference. Except defensively, the one time he puts him in there, David Freeze has an error, but that's not his natural position. I mean, you can argue uh, both ways with that one. So I think this is the end for the Dodgers. Definitely, I think that the series is over, but I think the Dodgers, as we know them, being a World Series contender year in and year out, I think that's done. They're going to have to start over. They ha- It's not the end of the world. They're not going to go for like the Royals. Um, being a World Series winner and then two years later than the worst team in baseball. It's not going to be that. Uh, they have one of the deeper systems in the league, and they have a young, really good young core. Walker Bueller, Corey Seager's coming back next year, Cody Bellinger, um, Yasiel Puig, sneaky young. 
um, and Jock Peterson too, sneaky young. But they're they're gonna. I feel like Clayton Kershaw will be gone after this fiasco. He's gonna go find himself a team that can get him out some foul territory. He's gonna find him a manager who's gonna put him in uh, the right positions and leave him in, or maybe pull him out when he when he's not looking right. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, well, he might end up in Houston for all we know. They're losing Dallas Keuchel this year. Uh, he might go to the Astros. Manny Machado will probably end up with the Cubs, if you ask me, which will continue their tradition of stealing uh, Dodgers rentals as uh, last year they picked up Yu Darvish. Um, so the Dodgers will lose their two best players. They'll lose the series. And that's it. They've won six straight years. They've won their division six straight years. And six straight years they've come up short. But this year feels different. It feels like this is the end. Like the, All the pressure is just mounted up to this point, and it's getting ready to break. Uh, Justin Turner's 34. He'll be 35. J- Kenley Jansen will be 32 next season. Um, I think it, this, it's just not, uh, not going to work out for the Dodgers. They're not going to win this series. I think it's over for them, this dynasty. And that's what's the, the worst part about all of this, is that they're not even a dynasty. They're g- always going to be remembered as the dynasty that never was. And they probably cost themselves um, not just these past two World Series, but the times they didn't get to the World Series, uh, those weren't on Dave Roberts. Obviously, he wasn't the manager. It was Don Mattingly. But they had some great teams throughout the years. They had the Clayton Kershaw, uh, Zach Grinke teams, and then Adrian Gonzalez was on those teams, and they didn't get to the World Series. There was a that time against the Mets, the Mets where they forgot to cover third base. Uh, Daniel Murphy stole third, uh, and that was the game-winning run, and the Mets went on to win the World Series that year. So um, I think I think this is different. All these years, all the losses, all the tension, the pressure, I think it's finally reached a breaking point with the Dodgers. And I think this is it, which is very disappointing because, like I said, they're the dynasty that never happened. They've never won. They're the Buffalo Bills. I hate to say that. I hate to say that, but that's what they are. They're, the, they're this great team dominant throughout the, the 2010s. When we look back, they're gonna, the Dodgers are going to be one of the best teams of the 2010s, except they never won a World Series. That is our baseball for today. Moving on to the NBA. Uh, you may have heard, you may have heard, uh, Rajan Rondo and Chris Paul got into a fist fight. You may have heard about that. Um, I was a little bit upset because it happened, I think it was on Friday or Saturday, like the day after uh, I recorded last week's Crowd Noise. And I was like, this is it. This is a whole show. There's a whole show, I mean, of content just out of that one fight. And I didn't even get to use it till the next week, that being today. Um, but we're going to talk about it anyway because there's actually new developments. Um, and th- we're going to talk about why this is so great for the NBA. Um, people want to pretend that it's not. It is. Uh, Rajan Rondo escalated things by calling Chris Paul a horrible teammate. Uh, that's pretty interesting. I like that comment. I like Rajan Rondo. He's, I really do like him. Um, throughout the years, he's, he, yeah, he's been an a-hole throughout the years. But I, that's why I like him. I really like his gameplay. He's one of the true passers. Um, and creators in our league. Uh, Chris Paul is too, but he's more of a scoring threat um, than Rajon Rondo. But uh, I really like Rajon Rondo. He's a fun player. He's a fun guy to watch, and this is part of the reason why we're going to get into it right now. The next day after the fight, oh, Chris, okay, well, let me recap. I didn't even recap correctly. I was being sarcastic when I said you may have heard, but in case you haven't, uh, they got into a fight. Uh, Chris Paul claims that Rondo spit or spat in his face. Um, and that began the fighting, even though, or he started pointing, trying to poke his eye, uh, Chris Paul did. And so Rondo threw the first punch, Chris Paul retaliated. They both were suspended. I think they, I think Chris Paul is back. Uh, Chris Paul got two games, Rondo got three games. And then Brandon Ingram, he's not part of the story, but he was a part of the fight. He came running in from like half court and threw a sucker punch uh, at Chris Paul. He got four games. Um, I think they should be back by tonight, if not tomorrow night. I think it's I think it's tonight for Rondo and then the next Laker game for Brandon Ingram, which means Chris Paul should be back uh, by now. Uh, he only got two games. Chris Paul called him a excuse me. Rajon Rondo called Chris Paul a horrible teammate. Um, and the next day after the fight, I'm getting my timelines confused. After the fight, this being on Saturday, everyone was saying this is the this is horrible for the NBA. Or was it on Friday? I think it was on Thursday night the game, and on Friday. Um, like Thursday night after I recorded and I missed that opportunity. Then Friday, everyone was saying, this is a horrible look for the NBA. This is disgusting. This isn't the kind of example. We're... And I was confused by that. I really was because 
they were it was this is the best thing that could have happened in the NBA. This is fantastic. Adam Silver, he has to condemn this. He has to because it's his job. He's a commissioner. But this is the best thing that could have happened to him. Lakers, Rockets, uh, one playoff team, one really exciting team, um, that being the Lakers, national television, and they were number one trending in the world on Twitter. I mean, the NBA is on fire right now. They suspended them because that's, I mean, you can't have them fighting every, I get that. I'm not condoning like, yeah, I want to see players fight every single game across the league. No, but fans want to see they want to see competitiveness and they want to see drama. The NBA is not just a basketball league, it's a soap opera. And in every soap opera, you need over the top drama. I mean ridiculous stuff and you need twists. You need these crazy twists at the end of every episode. And that's what this was. It was in the fourth quarter. The game was just getting wrapped up like okay, the Rockets are probably going to take command. And you have this huge fight. You have this huge fight on in the middle of the court, almost at uh it was under the Lakers uh hoop or basket, I should say. That sounded so lame. Uh, Lakers hoop. So they got into this huge fight. It was trending all over Twitter. It's been, I mean, people have been talking about it ever since. I'm not the only one to keep talking about it. There was just that horrible teammate comment was just, uh, I think a day ago or two days ago. And that's uh, lit the fire even more. And you're telling me this is a bad thing? People are talking about the NBA more than, and the Warriors who, who? The Warriors? I mean, no one's even talking about them. That's what's good for the NBA. More teams matter. And you're telling me the next time the Rockets and the Lakers play, you're not going to watch? Because both all the suspensions are going to be lifted. All those guys are going to be playing against each other. And that one's going to be uh, in Houston. I'm sure they're going to have some choice words for Rajon Rondo and Brandon Ingram. It's going to be nationally televised. Now you have another rivalry. The Warriors-Cavs rivalry was dead. Um... The Warriors kind of shot down the Lakers-Warriors rivalry, which I agree with. The Lakers aren't even in the same spectrum as the Warriors. Now you have a new rivalry, a real one, and you know it's competitive. And it's not just because LeBron's with the Lakers. This has been building up for years, uh, Rondo and Chris Paul. They haven't liked each other since uh, uh, Rondo was in, excuse me, Chris Paul was in New Orleans at the time, the New Orleans Hornets. They're now the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, not to be confused with the Charlotte Hornets. We're not going to get into that because that's confusing. But this is this is what the fans want. They want this kind of entertainment because the NBA is not just basketball. It's an entertainment league. It really is. You can tell me it's not. It is great basketball. It's nothing against the players, but it's also there's a level of drama. There's a level of stardom in the NBA that's expected, and this is what we got. Um, it just so happened to be on the Lakers, which is even, I think is a bonus. I think if this was the Rockets and just because of the last team I mentioned, the Pelicans, I don't think this would be a big deal because the Pelicans, I mean, they have Anthony Davis, but they're not a big market team. This is the Lakers. They're the most glamorous, most popular franchise in the NBA, maybe in the world. So I think that adds to it. Um, this is great for the NBA. I don't see how this is a bad thing. Um, I get that, okay, the ki- oh, really, I mean, the, the kids, we're, we're so concerned about the kids. Okay, do the kids fill out your paycheck, Adam Silver? Because I promise you, he got a fat stack of cash from the rising TV ratings. The NBA, it's, the, it's great. This is the problem that the NBA has fixed. It's been getting boring, more and more boring season after season because of the war. You can blame the Warriors because um, they're so dominant. I'm not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to directly blame them, but the ratings have been down, and especially in the finals, this is what, this is the solution. Not fighting, but it's just the drama. It's just a part of the drama, and it's not pure, made-up drama. It's not fake. It's real, and it's competitive. Both guys want to win. Rajon Rondo's an, the ultimate competitor. Chris Paul is an ultimate competitor. This it's it's great. I think this is fantastic for the NBA. I don't think it's a problem at all. I understand the suspensions, and here's why I know the NBA appreciated it because the the largest suspension was only four games. That was the biggest suspension. I thought when Rondo spat in Chris Paul's face, I said, that's at least five games. Just the spit is five games, and then the fighting is another two or three. They only got two, three, and four games? That tells me the NBA loved what they saw. Maybe not fighting all the time. It's not the WWE, but they love this, the spectacle of it. So Adam Silver agrees with me. He won't say it publicly, but Adam Silver, he loved what he saw. We got to go quick. Quote of the week. And it's a perfect segue because it's another Lakers story. Kobe. Uh, oh, man, I blew it. Sorry, guys. I totally spoiled it for you. Uh, but if they go, oh, quote, if they go 0-5, oh, I'll think about it. That from one Kobe Bean Bryant uh, on Jimmy Kimmel referencing the Lakers. They started off 0-3. Oh, 
The Lakers, like I said, I just went on this whole thing how it's great for the NBA. There's all kinds of TV. Everyone's talking about it. The Lakers are terrible. They're horrible. They're, they just got their first win last night against the Suns. Uh, they're 1-3, so, I mean, they won last night, so there's not going to be any Kobe uh, anytime soon. But they're fun to watch. This is great for the NBA. They're a team that's horrible, and everyone's watching them. You can't stop talking about them, and they're not even winning yet. Can you imagine when they start winning and they really get hot and everyone finds their niche on that team? It's going to be great. Um, they're getting talking. They're getting more publicity than the undefeated Rams. They have more hope right now for their season than the Dodgers do in the World Series. The Lakers are fantastic, and they're not even good at basketball right now. They will be eventually, maybe not if not even by this year, by next year for sure. They'll be really good, and they're fantastic for the NBA. Adam Silver is a Laker fan right now because he's. They are. I'm not going to go as far as to say they saved the NBA. But they definitely solved a lot of problems that were the NBA was uh, uh, dealing with. That being number one, like I said, the Warriors I don't think are the cause. I think they're a side effect. I think or not a side effect. They're not the cause of the sickness. I think they're a symptom uh, of declining NBA ratings. I don't think it's totally on them. I think it's a lot of teams that could be a lot better. Um, but again, yeah, you make teams uh, better. You make teams more interesting. You don't tear down the good teams you already have. The Lakers are now an added uh, good team. Last year, they were awful. This year, well, they're still pretty bad. Their record shows, but they're going to be better. We all understand they're not going to go the whole season. Uh, they're not going to be a lottery team this year. We all know that. But adding LeBron, adding Rondo, Lance Stevenson, all these characters in L.A., it's perfect. It's the perfect fit for that town, for that team. Uh, they have to carry a sense of the show. And by the time that, the next time they play the Rockets, I can guarantee you it's going to be showtime. Not just for the Lakers, but for the Rockets too. I don't. If you're not a fan of the Lakers or the Rockets, okay. But I promise you, you will watch that game. And if you're not, a, if you hate Kobe, okay, fine. If you hate LeBron, okay, fine. But tell me again, you wouldn't watch this if Kobe Bryant were to come out of retirement. It's a soap opera if he were to come out of retirement and quote unquote save the Lakers because they're one in three. Everyone's panicking. If he were to come back out of retirement and save the Lakers, you're telling me you wouldn't watch this? This is one of the this is the best the NBA has been in the past five years. It's so much fun. And it all revolves around one team. One team that of right now they wouldn't even be a playoff team. They're one in three and the Lakers are the most exciting team in the NBA. That's this week's show. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor Podcasts, obviously. It's a Crowd Noise Podcast. Uh, please uh, share, subscribe, uh, rate, whatever you got to do. Uh, tell your friends. Any listens would be uh, really appreciated, guys. I really would appreciate it. Um, enjoy the games this week, and I will see you next Thursday.